0: Although I'm excited to see so many people show up tonight on this cold night. But over the course of the past year, we've had the pandemic, we've had a number of hurricanes, a couple of them really impacting our area. Social unrest over the summer, the riots, the election drama, the insurrection of last week. Clearly, nothing went as planned. I don't think anybody at this time last year, would have predicted where we would be today. And the fact that this year has seen so much upheaval, so much chaos, that all of our plans have been shot. Plans for travel, plans for being with friends. So many things have changed, not only globally, nationally, but also, I'm sure, in a lot of our personal lives. And so what I've seen, and I'm sure many of you have experienced, it's left a lot of people with anxiety. Anxiety about what is going to happen to our nation, to our church, to our world. What's the future going to look like? And that's what I want to do in addressing today uh, one specific mystery in the life of St. Joseph. Because this time of anxiety, I think, is a perfect time for us to focus on in our diocese and throughout the church St. Joseph as a patron, a patron for these times of unplanned chaos, of anxiety. Why? Because if we focus on the mystery of Christ's birth and St. Joseph's participation in it, we're gonna see that nothing went as planned. Nothing went as I am sure Joseph would have expected it. But first of all, if we pay attention to the scriptures, that Joseph and Mary were traveling. They were not at home because of the census. And so whenever the time for Mary's birth came, there was no family, there were no friends. They weren't where they could have just gone to their own home and had safety and comfort. They had to find some place. And so they went looking around, but as we know, They went to the end, and there was no room for them there. You might imagine that St. Joseph, being human and not immaculately conceived, maybe was a little frustrated, particularly because of his care for Mary and the child that she was expecting. And so St. Joseph had to improvise. He had to come up with another plan. He had to search around, and what did he find? He found the stable. And so, with all the animals around, probably didn't smell all that great, not what he had envisioned or planned, they took the little manger, Mary gave birth, and they improvised. And the Son of God was born into the world on that night. A lot of other things happened, but of course, how does it seem to end? With Herod wanting to kill his child. So all of a sudden, they had to pick up and go all the way to another country. Nothing went as planned over this period of time. And so you can imagine that Joseph, still filled with faith, quite possibly would have asked himself or asked God, What is your plan? What is going on here? Why is everything falling apart? Is God really in control of all of this? Is this is how the Messiah is going to come into the world is this how we're going to find salvation because it surely doesn't seem like it Lord cut me some slack I'm trying to do my best here but nothing is going the way that I would have expected and even anxiety maybe st. Joseph feeling a little bit about what's going to come next while he trusted certainly that God was going to provide he didn't have all the answers and so this actually was something that i was meditating upon over the course of the summer and the time of COVID, as i was trying to write my other three talks figuring that one day i might be able to deliver them about saint joseph's struggle with accepting reality as it was accepting the conditions of christ's birth and then what happened it appears that Pope Francis read my mind and on December 8th he put out his letter on St. Joseph called Patris Corde in Latin the heart of the father if you haven't read it I really do suggest reading it it's not 250 pages long it's only about seven or eight pages long so you can read it in one sitting and it's really beautiful and in fact to the last night I'm also going to reference um a little bit and tomorrow a little bit of that letter but what i want to do is really build my reflection around one quote from section 4 of that document which sort of in a much more concise way in a much more beautiful way than i've been saying puts together this idea and then the rest of our reflection tonight to kind of flesh it out and so pope francis in reflecting on the nativity and the life of St. Joseph says this, often in life things happen whose meaning we do not understand. Our first reaction is frequently one of disappointment and rebellion. Joseph set aside his own ideas in order to accept the course of events and mysterious as they seemed, to embrace them, take responsibility for them and make them part of his own history. Unless we are reconciled with our own history, we will be unable to take a single step forward, for we will always remain hostage to our expectations and the disappointments that follow. The spiritual path that Joseph traces for us is not one that explains, but accepts. Only as a result of this acceptance, this reconciliation, can we begin to glimpse a broader history, a deeper meaning. Now, there's a lot to unpack in this one paragraph, and I'm going to do my best to explain the high points and to really do it within our understanding of the context of the nativity of Christ. First, and I think the most essential little sentence or phrase here, is when he talks about the temptation we have to remain hostage to our expectations and the disappointments that follow. So many of us had expectations of how we thought the year was gonna go. So many of us have expectations of how we think our, our month or our week, or our day is gonna go. Expectations of what's gonna happen at work. Expectations of what school's gonna be like. Expectations of how things are gonna happen in our family. And the truth is, we can all attest to it, reality never lives up to our expectations. Never. And so what happens is we end up becoming tremendously disappointed. And we can get caught in our heads, ruminating and thinking about it. Why didn't it go the way I planned? Why did it fail? Am I a failure? What's going to happen in the future? And sometimes really becoming frustrated. Frustrated with ourselves, frustrated with others, but most disturbingly frustrated with God. Even, as he said, leading to rebellion. Things didn't go as I expected to. God doesn't care for me. And it can lead to people really feeling alienated from the Lord. So how do we overcome this? How do we overcome the disappointment that comes from reality or the present moment not living up to our expectations? And I can sort of phrase it in in a way that I think sums it up effectively. That we can give up having expectations. We can give up expectations and instead have an expectant attitude. Give up our expectations, but yet hopefully have an expectant attitude. Expectations are very, very specific. That we expect things to happen our way, in a way that maybe we want to control it. Or we put God in a little box and we say, God, you are going to act in this way. This is how I expect you to act. But the truth is, we all know that God is not going to act in the box that we put up for him. Quite often, the way he acts confounds our own expectations. And so we've got to put away these very specific things that we have. Put away expectations. Not becoming apathetic and not really caring about anything or thinking that God doesn't care about us. That's not what I'm advocating at all but instead I'm advocating an expectant attitude, expectant, that we expect and have an expectant attitude that the Lord loves us, that he is a loving Father and he wants to provide for us and is going to give us good. And even if the cross comes, it becomes a necessary trial for our purification and that he is going to act to defend us and that he is going to provide us. And so there's an attitude of faith an attitude of hope that we cultivate in our hearts, that attitude of expectancy, of expectant hope, that no matter what happens, the Lord is on our side. And even though we may not understand it, it may not, may not, sense, may not make sense to us, that indeed he is con- in control. In control of the present moment, in control of the future, in control of all reality. And so both Francis, a, a little bit later, talks about, in regards to this acceptance of reality, of embracing our own history, Christian realism. Christian realism means that we are realistic about the world. We're realistic about the good and the bad present there. Not having expectations, or not having some idealistic, romantic way that we think things are going to turn out. We accept reality as it presents itself to us. We don't want to impose our own ideas or categories on reality and the ways that we think things should happen, the ways we think God should act in our lives. So ultimately, we allow God and his will to reveal itself to us when? In the present moment, here and now. God is not present in the past. He's not present in the future. He's present here and now. It's what we call the practice of the present moment, to see the Lord's will manifested in the present moment. Now, it may not be his deliberate will where he chooses it, but it's at least his permissive will. shock some of you. I never like it when people say, God willed that you would be here today. Well, no, actually he didn't. There are some of you that maybe shouldn't be here, should be elsewhere. But did God permit you to be here? Absolutely. That's the difference between his permissive will and his active will. But regardless, you are here. You are listening, for good or for bad, what I have to say. And so it takes, as Pope Francis says also in his letter, courage, courage to face reality and to accept it, particularly when things do not go our way, when the cross comes, when we face persecution, when we feel that God has abandoned us. We gotta realize that he hasn't, but we have to use our ingenuity and our courage to adapt to the situation. That's what St. Joseph did. He didn't say, oh my goodness, there's no room at the inn and just despair. He said, I gotta figure something out. You gotta make do with what he had. He like MacGyver back in the times of the Bible. Hey, if any of you remember that, he took what he had and he made do. A little pop culture reference for y'all today. No laughs, but that's how it goes. But he had to improvise. And I'm sure he said, Mary, I wish I had something better for you. But this is all I have. Fortunately, Mary never complained. She was always happy. So everything was good. But he improvised. He made do with what he had. He didn't complain and wish things were different. He took ownership. And I think that's the real word. When we accept reality as it comes to us, when we live in the present moment, without giving up our expectations, but having an expectant attitude, we take ownership of our own path. We take ownership of our own history. Not pulling it away from God, but realizing that he does act in it, but yet he wants us to make choices. Now, I work with young people, uh, college-age students, i have been doing it for 11 years now, and I see in them a great fear to make a decision a great fear to commit to something because of the fear that they may get it wrong they may make the wrong decision they're going to mess up somehow and the truth is I try to communicate to them is the same truth that I want to communicate here God is not interested in micromanaging your life he doesn't care what cereal you eat he doesn't care what you listen to in the radio. Well, he might care about that. Some stuff you probably shouldn't be listening to. But he gives you freedom. He trusts you. There are certain things he clearly will have a will on, but he didn't tell Joseph, Joseph, I need you to go and find this stable, and I need you to clear out a place. He let Joseph decide. Why? Because he trusted Joseph. In the same way, God trusts us to make decisions. And guess what? Sometimes we're going to make the wrong decisions, but as long as we have that good will and we're trying to do God's will, he's okay with it. And so we have to come to terms with our own imperfections. And this is it, making choices, adapting, always wanting to do God's will. It's a sign of maturity that we can do that, that we can let go of expectations, accept reality, and embrace the choices that the Lord entrusts to us. Granted, we need prudence, we need prayer to figure out what the right thing to do is, but we cannot maintain an attitude of being hostage to our expectations. We've got to set ourselves free. We have to let the Lord set ourselves, set us free. Now, if we accept reality as it is, just like Joseph did, we improvise, we make do, We accept that his will coming to us in the present moment. This does not mean that we're going to understand it all. This does not mean that God's going to explain everything he's doing, what's going to come next, or why he is doing it. And so what happens is, I see a lot of times, things don't go as planned. There's evil in the world. Mistakes are made. And people want an explanation. Why did God allow this? What is he trying to do what is his plan in my life in the church in the world where is this all going they want to be able to understand and we as humans have a natural desire to understand there are certain elements of why things happen the way they do that we can't understand but a perfect grasp of god's plan is something that we will never have that we will never Fully understand. But that's what happens. People say, if I could understand, then I could accept it. It wouldn't be so bad. I could accept reality if I could understand it. The thing is, St. Joseph, if we look at him, didn't ask for explanations, didn't ask for, hey, tell me what's going to happen next. Tell me, God, why you're allowing this to happen. He accepted it. He accepted what the Lord asked him to do the different dreams or when the angel spoke to him and he accepted things when God did not give him clear guidance because as a just man of faith he had a deep deep trust in God and again I can imagine we're going to talk about this a little bit more tomorrow when all of a sudden the shepherds show up and these wise men Joseph is like what in the world is going on here where are these people coming from what's going on Why are they bringing gold, frankincense, and myrrh? But he accepted it, prayed, hopefully, that he could get a deeper understanding, but he didn't have to understand. In the same way Mary didn't. Mary didn't say, I'll do everything you want me to do, Lord. I'll do your will, but you gotta explain to me what it's gonna entail. He said yes in the same way, even though he maybe didn't fully understand the part he was playing in salvation history. And so this desire for us to be able to understand what God's will is, what his plan is, where things are going whenever things don't go as planned, and whenever we struggle with accepting reality, is really nothing more than a desire to control. If I can understand it, I can control it. One of my favorite spiritual authors, many of you may know who he is, Father Jacques Philippe. He wrote a number of different books. In this book, which is a, one of his great ones called Interior Freedom, he says, the desire to understand God's will may also spring from another source that is far from pure, insecurity. In this case, understanding means reassuring ourselves, seeking security and the sense that we can control the situation if we can understand it. So when things don't go as planned, guess what? We don't feel safe. We don't feel secure. And so we grasp at something. And one of the things that we like to grasp at is understanding. Now, we're not advocating here for blind trust. God, I blindly trust you. Not at all. Our faith ought to seek understanding. We're talking about in the life of Saint Joseph, And in our own lives, a filial trust. The trust of a son to a father who knows the father. Who knows the father, loves the son, and wants what's good for the child. And would never give him a snake when he asks for bread. And so, even though he may not understand the father's ways, why he does what he does, because of that relationship, he trusts. But the truth is, we are not going to be able to trust if we don't have a relation. And we're not gonna have a relationship if we don't pray. If we don't cultivate a relation with him by spending time with the Lord every single day. Not just reciting prayers, but really coming to an encounter with him. That would be the topic of a whole other retreat of how we can grow in prayer. But Joseph was a man of prayer. He did listen to his interior promptings. He did know God is one who was going to provide for him. And so, does that mean we may never understand why bad things happen, why things don't go as planned? In the next life we will, we're going to see how it all fits together. But the truth is, we can get glimpses of it in this life. But the problem is it often doesn't happen in the moment that things aren't going as planned. It may happen months, years, decades later. When we look back at our lives and say, oh, this thing happened that didn't go as planned, but if it would have gone as planned, I wouldn't be where I am today. We can all review our own lives and take some time to reflect and see instances of that. So in the same way, why is the Lord allowing all the insanity going on in our world? Besides the fact that he respects human freedom, is there some other bigger reason? Possibly, that we may never fully know, or at least not until many years down the line, when we see the pieces of the tapestry and how they weave together. So this prayerful acceptance of God's will of giving up the effort of the demand to control and understand, but living in the present moment and taking ownership of our own history, as Joseph did, even when things go wrong, is the path and the key to finding inner peace. And I think this really is the key point or the ultimate point here. Whenever things seem to be falling down around us, When things aren't going the way we had hoped, it's only if we can do this that we can find inner peace. We all know the serenity prayer, the different versions of it. The one that most of us know comes from the 12-step programs. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. So it's not just sitting back and saying, everything is gonna happen as God's will. No, we need to be able to act, but we need the courage and the discernment to know when to act. But whenever we cannot change things, whenever we don't understand, we can still keep peace and serenity. We don't need to be ruled by anxiety. Anxiety which often flows from getting trapped in our heads worrying about the future or beating ourselves up for mistakes that happened in the past. Joseph didn't have time to do that. Mary didn't have time nor the inclination to do that. But if we can cultivate this attitude of acceptance, of imitating St. Joseph, then in the midst of the storm around us, we can experience real peace, real peace, and not be raked by anxiety. And hopefully in our lives, we've all met certain individuals who are like that. It's not a peace that comes from some earthly source or some medication, as necessary as that might be at times, but a peace that comes from the Lord, a peace that marks an individual out as one who trusts in God. And so, as imperfect as he was, because Saint Joseph was not immaculately conceived, Joseph was a man, I believe, of great interior peace. Maybe not right at the beginning. He probably had to learn it over time, and I'm sure, quite possibly, he learned a lot of it from Mary. Over the years that he lived with her, as they were raising Jesus for the 30 years, he learned that attitude from Mary. And so, Mary, as we'll talk about, left her mark on Joseph just like she left on Jesus. Because Mary, right at the beginning, because of her sinlessness, was able to say when the angel came to her, even though she didn't understand, even though she had some fear, fiat, be it done to me according to thy word. I accept your will and whatever is going to come, I don't need an explanation for it. I trust that Joseph's going to take care of me. I trust you've got this under control. I'm just happy to be a part of your plan. An excitement, a desire to be the mother of the Messiah and to see salvation brought to Israel. And so Joseph had his own fiat, his own, be it done unto me according to thy word. And I'm sure during these difficult times, Mary was there to support him, to say, we can do this, Joseph. It's all right. We're going to be able to figure this out. The Lord's going to take care of us. Imagine the encouragement Joseph had from his relationship with Mary. And I also think, too, and this is an insight I talked about uh, in a homily a few weeks ago, and I'm actually developing into another retreat talk for another time, is Mary's ability to say yes to God's will when things were easy, but also when things were not easy, particularly at the foot of the cross, when things really didn't make sense, when things seemed to be falling apart, when it appeared that her son was failing, and she didn't fully grasp what was going on. She had to act in faith. Mary had faith. When she found herself, as one theologian, mystic calls the state of no longer being able. We've all been in that. When we see things not going as planned, when we see people that we love suffering, when we see our plans falling down around us, and there's nothing we can do. We can't fix it, we can't understand it, we can't make it better, we've just gotta be able to sit there and say, Lord, my sacrifice, is not being able to do anything, but still somehow maintaining peace and a great faith. Mary was able to do it on the foot of the cross and through the rest of her life. And so a little hint too, St. Joseph did what he could. He adapted the situation, but there was a lot that he wasn't able to do to understand to be able to fix the problems, to be able to demand a room at the end, to be able to do all he wanted to do, but yet he was able to find peace in that because of his fiat, because of his willingness to accept reality as it presented it to him. And I think it's Mary's example, and over the course of his life, the love that she had for him that left an imprint on his heart Just as she left an imprint on Jesus' heart and on John's heart, that Joseph was able to do this and grow in his ability to do this because of his companionship with Mary. And so, all right, we've talked about this accepting reality, having this attitude that Joseph did, not having to understand everything, of not being anxious. But sometimes, we can say, all right, I'm gonna be obedient to your will. I'm gonna accept it, but guess what? I ain't gonna like it. I don't like the fact that I can't understand it. I don't like the fact that I can control it. I'll do it, but Lord, I'm actually sort of resentful of you. That's not the attitude that we need to have. Instead, we need to have an attitude that says, yeah, I can't understand it, but Lord, I still trust you. Somehow, on the other side of this cross, we're going to experience a resurrection. And so I want to typify these two different attitudes and what others have talked about is a mindset of scarcity versus a mindset of abundance. A mindset of scarcity versus a mindset of abundance. Scarcity is the glass that's half empty. When we look at the world, we look at the situations, we look at our lives, we see what is lacking we don't have the things that went wrong the ways things didn't work out as we had planned them to or we can have the opposite attitude the one of abundance that while we recognize yes things aren't perfect we instead focus on what's good we focus on the gifts that have been given to us the blessings that we experience in abundance even amidst the things that have not gone well. Now, I, like a number of people, tend to veer towards scarcity. And it is a daily challenge for me to set my mind right, to be able to focus on what is good and the abundance of gifts that have been given to me, my own efforts, but also, of course, responding to God's grace. I don't know. Was that attitude of St. Joseph, was he more naturally inclined to the glasses half empty or the glasses half full? I really don't know. But we know that he chose to focus on the abundance rather than the scarcity. To have that positive attitude of focusing on the gifts. The great gift of, I was chosen to be the husband of Mary. I was chosen to be the father, foster, the Messiah. I don't know why, but boy, what a blessing is that? Not a burden. And then the gift of having Mary as his bride. To wake up every day and to think, oh, you know, yeah, she's holy and she's chaste, but whoa, my goodness. What a blessing to have this holy, kind, caring wife to be able to take care of me to love me and for me to love and to provide for. But there's no greater gift than you can think of the darkness of Christmas night, of Joseph maybe being tempted to wonder why did this all end up? Why am I here with a bunch of stinky cows and sheep? And I could be in this nice warm hotel. and worry about that, focusing on Jesus. Getting to hold the Christ child and to be able to realize, again, how much you realize this, that it's God looking back at him in the eyes of a baby, and that he is being able to cast his own fatherly eyes on the child whom he's been entrusted to care back, to smile at Jesus and to have Christ smile back at him. What a tremendous gift. In the same way that we see it for parents, particularly mothers, they have all the pain of childbirth, but once that baby comes, all that other stuff doesn't matter. All the pain, all the suffering, because you're focused on the child, you're focused on the gift. And that's what we need to be able to pray for. If we're going to be like St. Joseph, abundance, not scarcity. To be able to see presence, presence of God, the presence of grace in the absence. And the fact that things may be dark and not perfect, focusing on the light. This is what transforms minds, and this is what transforms hearts, and produces what? Gratitude. The more we focus on what we have rather than what we don't have, the more we realize that everything is a gift. As bad as the world may seem around us, the more thankful we're gonna be. And as we are more thankful, we realize Who's the great giver of gifts? God is, the Father is, Christ is. And so, in sort of trying to sum everything up, we can look at three things that typify the attitude of Joseph and sort of see how maybe we should act or desire to act if we are going to imitate Joseph and grow closer to him in this year. The first is obedience. And we really didn't focus that much on obedience today, but we know Joseph was obedient to what the angel told him to do. Take Mary as your wife. Go to Egypt. He was obedient. Didn't question, maybe wondered a little bit, but he trusted that the Lord was in control. And it's something I talked about this weekend. We as Christians and Catholics need to have a spirit of obedience. Here's Jesus, God... Who is going to allow John the Baptist to baptize him. God submits to man. And so if we are one with Christ, we want to imitate Joseph, we need to learn the value of a spirit of obedience. Whole different topic, something that people are struggling with today, but it's necessary. It's only when we learn to and are willing to obey God's will, as it presents itself, can we accept it. Can we accept what is given to us? Accept the things that we can't change? Is Joseph accepted the way things did not go as planned during Christ's birth? And then from that acceptance of trust in the Lord comes gratitude. Gratitude for all of the gifts that are given. And from that gratitude, people who are thankful who don't take things for granted, who are not constantly complaining, are joyful people. It's something that I've been reflecting on lately. So often, we know we need to choose joy, but so often we we, we sort of choose joy or pursue joy as an end in itself, and I'm going to will myself to be joyful. It's not how it happens. Joy is a byproduct of other things, particularly of gratitude, and also of love when we experience loving others or being loved, and we're thankful for the chance to love others or be loved, then we are joyful. And so we need to focus on that gratitude, opening our hearts to gratitude, therefore opening our hearts to joy. And so I believe that Joseph, besides being a peaceful man, was also a joyful man. He was a man, so he was grumpy sometimes. He got hangry, he probably got tangry, which is when you get tired and you get angry. But he was joyful. We're going we're to find out why Joseph was joyful on the last day, the great source of his happiness. But what I want to do, really wrapping this up now, whenever I give missions, I want to encourage people to sort of make it like a retreat. Granted, you're getting all kinds of information, but to take what you've heard and sort of pray on it by examining your own life, and by presenting your thoughts and your heart to Christ. And so there are three points that I'd like you to reflect upon from now until tomorrow, assuming that you wanna come back tomorrow, that you liked what you heard today, hopefully you did. First of all, how am I at accepting reality, particularly when things do not go as planned? Do I have expectations that are unrealistic? Or do I have an expectant attitude? We can all find the fact that none of us are perfect in that. Second, what is our worldview? What is our paradigm? Is it one of abundance or scarcity? Glasses half empty or glasses half full? Do we focus on the gifts or are we focus on what God didn't give us? The way things have gone wrong. And then third and finally, what are some of those gifts that we've received, particularly since maybe the whole pandemic started? You can go down the list of all the things that went wrong, but I'm pretty sure that if you focus on it, as much as there are things that went wrong, there are a lot of blessings too. Greatness and goodness and happiness that maybe you've never experienced in your life. Take some time to recognize those and give thanks for them. So tomorrow, God willing, we will be back at 6 p.m. and we're gonna focus on another mystery and that is the mystery of the presentation of the temple of what Joseph might have been thinking about, what he might have experienced uh, as he went with Mary into the temple to present Jesus to the Lord. And so let's close with the Glory Be. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, never shall be, world without end, amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.